Hey, this is Johnny Kelly from Typo Negative, and you're listening to music, The Lifeblood. Sitting around with time to kill. If we don't do it, then no one will. Our eyes are cold, our thoughts are old. Fifteen minutes till we lose control. You are now listening to Music, The Lifeblood. Generation behind. Going nowhere is just fine. Maybe tonight's the night we die. Yeah, which is which is funny. So what's what's the shelf life of bands like? I think that I think there's a shorter shelf life for bands, and you don't see bands stick around as long. So you don't have bands that do reach that kind of. They like, can't afford to. Yeah, nobody can afford to stick it out like that anymore. Yeah, and there's no incentive to do it because there's nothing there. There's nothing there at the end of the tunnel. Any band, most of the bands that are doing well right now. I mean, there are some bands. Some bands are making a mark, and you know, hope I hope that it does, that those bands can get to the next level. Like, you know, there are certain bands that are playing, you know, like they, they peak at like the, you know, like the small theater kind of thing. Sure. You know, and I'm not talking like, you know, this is aside from like, you know, pop or like, you know, like, uh, yeah, pop acts and, you know, country and rap and stuff. Like, you know, rock and roll was always such a small percentage of the record buying public to begin with, you know, compared to the other types of music. But, like, you know, they, they stall when they get to that, you know, small theater thing. You know, there isn't something that's like, you know, there isn't anything that's like, you know, taking the world by storm anymore. It's like, you know, there isn't any, there's no, like, you know, new guitar god to make kids go to, you know, Guitar Center and say, I want to be that. <laughs> you know, it's lost its, it, it lost its, its shine. Right. I think it'll come back around. I hope so. You know, I hope so. It's such a big part of my growing up. Yeah, I think it's still there. And you know, as ba- just based on the the show that we do, the podcast, we play new bands every week. You know, on the right. show, as long as it's not an interview, and I feel like heavy music, in particularly, is thriving right now. I think it's still adjusting from having kind of the land decimated by file sharing and the i think the dust is still settling in that regard but even that like you know even uh, all right for instance when i when i was a, when i was a teenager going to concerts and stuff like that you know go see uh, you know uh whatever go see iron maiden go see judas priest or those bands they were touring and they were filling arenas and stuff they only selling you know like iron maiden didn't even have a gold record <laughs> that's a good point it's not even, you know, it isn't, it isn't even so much a thing of, like, you know, well, you have this many records sold, you know, whatever. It, it, even that changed, that whole climate changed when we were in it. You know, when Typo was out there and, like, when we got our first old record, I was, you know, when I was a kid, I was like, oh, you know, I get a platinum record, I'm I'm retiring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if I ever got a platinum record. And that clearly was not the case when I got a platinum record. <laughs> And Typo, like, you know, we, we had, 
you know, we had two records that were pretty successful. Right. And we were playing, you know, back then we were playing small theaters and, you know, large clubs and, you know, once in a while we can, we can get into a really big thing. But even, it had changed then. And it's, it's just worse now. It doesn't, it, there isn't anything there. It's like, you know, it's like, you know, you have all these, all this, uh, you know, all these social media outlets to get your music out there. You know, back then, now I'm not saying like, you know, not trying to sound like an old man, you know, when I was a kid, you know, we didn't have file sharing, you know, we had jobs. (laughs) 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 But like, you know, like uh, what we had, like, you know, like with Metallica and stuff, we had guys like, you know, trading tapes and like it it was word of mouth. You didn't have, you didn't have all this, you know, oversaturation of uh, information to be exchanged. Right. And you had these bands, you know, Metallica, you know, they were just trading tapes across the country. It was just totally word of mouth. They couldn't, you didn't see them in magazines. You didn't hear them on the radio. You didn't see them on television. It was just word of mouth. Right. And they took the world by storm. Now you have all this stuff out there. Every horrible band has the same opportunity and it's completely oversaturated. There's nothing... There's nothing to weed out the good from the bad, you know. Like every a lot of like, you know, a lot of places, you know, a lot of site websites and stuff. They'll do demo reviews, and you go to some place and you get completely overwhelmed with all this crap. And I get, I get stuff sent to my Facebook page. Have to check out my band. You can check this out. And there's nothing. There really isn't much out there where it's like you know, there's something that makes it stand out. And go, you know what? That's killer. There's just this completely overabundance of crap <laughs> and everybody you know it's like well this band you know these guys got like uh, you know a million likes on their facebook page or whatever and it's you know it's it's just not going anywhere hmm. it's not you know like the good from the bad isn't being weeded out with where then like you know the machine will get behind it say you know what this band's killer you should check this out and right word of mouth word of mouth has gotten easier and the quality of music has just deteriorated to <laughs> to rubble. <laughs> uh, I'm going to play play devil's advocate. Do you think that there's just as much quality music out there, but the fact that the bad stuff has become much more visible has kind of watered down what's really amazing? Do you think that's a possibility? I don't know. I, it's that's that's hard to say. It's a good question. I think that like a. Uh, like the drive and determination will win over talent every day, any day. Sure. Like it, it wins all the time. And with that, like that's what you're, that's what you that's what's being brought to you instead of like, you know, discovering the next greatest thing. Right. You know, there's like, and, and it's frustrating. <laughs> it's frustrating. I lose my patience with it. Uh, it's hard for me to find good new music. I did get turned on to a band recently, but even they've been out for a couple of years and, uh, it's, you know, it's hard to say, you know, like, I don't know if it's going to save rock and roll or, you know, things like that, right. you know, but, it, but it's, it's kind of like a throwback. to like, you know, what, what was going on years ago? Right. Rival Sons. What is it? Rival Sons. Rival Sons. Okay. Yeah. I know who yeah. you're talking about. Yeah. They're actually they're going to be doing that Black Sabbath tour in the, in the in the winter in February. Okay, the farewell tour. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
And uh, I heard that, and it's had it has the components, I think, to be a great band with a long career. Right. You know, a band like a, like you know, like a lot of the stuff that I like that's new is more sounds like kind of like you know whatever uh, old stuff. Uh, but it does have some of the stuff does have you know twists on it. You know that kind of you know makes it relevant. A band like Crowbot. You familiar with Crowbot? Uh, a little bit. Not. I haven't sunk in. I haven't sunk my teeth into them. No. But uh, I have a very kind of like superficial knowledge of them. Yeah. They've been doing a lot. Of, they've been getting a lot of tours and stuff. And they're, you know they're, they're low on the bill, but they're, they're a great band. A band like King, I'm really into. And uh, but a lot of the stuff now, it's like you know, it's a, it, you get force fed this stuff, and it was always like that. You know, I'm mm-hmm. sure the music has always been like this. But the you know, at least the record companies, they would weed out the garbage instead of having to do it yourself. Right. <laughs> and every band sounds like you know, everybody's you know, screaming. Uh, you know, crying about how their mother didn't hug them when they were kids. <laughs> <laughs> are you? Are are you? And, 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 it, and it's completely, it's completely formulated. It does you get, know, yeah, it does get, it does get cookie cutter a lot of the time. And you, I yeah. think, I think you see that it's, you know, the clear, the whole clear channel thing. You know, a lot of people will equate clear channel to, you know, it's kind of like a factory that just pumps out bands that sound the same. You know, I don't, like, you know, this is just, like, you know, just stuff that comes across my computer, and I'm like, can these people, you know, how? <laughs> I just sit there, I'm like, uh, just trying to, I'm scratching my head, I'm like, how? Right. How did this happen? What do you, are you a Ghost fan? Do you like Ghost? Ghost? Yeah. Yeah. I like them a lot. I just think that, uh, it's like, you know, like, it, what they do is interesting, and it's different, and uh, yeah, I've gotten, I've seen them, I've seen them play a couple of times and stuff. You know, I, I like it a lot. I think, I think it's pretty cool. Right. It reminds you know, it, it's uh, that it re, it, re, it reminds me of like Witchfinder General, like literal, like the yeah. the literal definition of heavy metal. That's what it sounds like to me. Yeah, it definitely has that, like, you know, that old, you know, new wave of British heavy metal vibe to it. Right. You know, it reminds me, I was a big Merciful Fate fan when I was younger. Nice. So it reminds me of, you know, early Merciful Fate. Uh, like, you know, like the way that they use, you know, the, you know, not just the way that he uses his voice, but like, you know, their song structures and things like that. Sure. That they, their key changes and time signatures and stuff. You know, it's interesting. It's interesting, and it's definitely not cookie-cutter. There's nobody else out there doing that, but I give it about maybe like a year. There'll probably be about maybe like 15 or 20 ghosts <laughs> on different labels. And, right. You know, somebody, you know, whatever, for, trying to force-feed me something. I, I get aggravated. <laughs> I, I, get, I get annoyed. I think from what – if, you, if you're talking about um, that kind of like macabre – um, a little bit darker, kind of you know the brooding you know kind of side of life and things like that. I do think that there's a there's a very limited amount of space in the market space in the marketplace for bands like that. Um, yeah, which is fine. That's what makes it. That's what makes them unique, and you know, let them you know leave it to them. They'll take care of it. Yeah, <laughs> and that's fine. You yeah, know? you know, we have enough Panteras in the world. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, we do. We have enough of them. 
And, you know, nobody's done it as well as Pantera has, but I give them all an A for effort. <laughs> when when you think about when it, when you think about the ni- the nineties, you know, uh, you know, Pantera Tool, Typo Negative, you know, there was heavy music was having a very hard time through the nineties uh, because it was bookended with the alternative music explosion that happened. You know, being someone that kind of lived through that time, you know, do do you feel like that decade has affected your perception of how you see things now? Yeah, because I mean, and in all honesty, I think it was it was better quality music. It was, you, know, you, you had a you had a wide variety, and it was just it was better quality stuff. You know, like, Pantera was was new. <laughs> you know, and they were you know, and they did you know, Pantera did what they did great, and then you know, then you have uh, like you know. Even the alternative stuff, there was like a lot of a lot of cool stuff was coming out then, and even I guess like you know for us we were always surprised by it because you know I guess we were kind of like the ghosts of the nineties you know like we didn't really fit into anything you know we were just doing our thing but we didn't so it wasn't something that you could put us like you know in a category where it was like yeah this is you know they're doing it like this band or they're doing it like that band right right you know. And there, there was, it was, I think that it was just a, a really cool time for music. You know, you had, you know, Alice in Change, you had Soundgarden, you had Snails, you, know, you had Pantera, and still had the other guys, like, you know, some of the older bands, they were still in there, they were still, you know, still doing well, like, you know, you Spires and stuff like that, they were, they were killing it, you know, getting through, you know, getting through the 90s. And now, it's just like, there's just, I just don't see anything that really stands out as like, you know, this is great. Yeah, I'm running to the record store or, well, you know what I mean. Right, yeah. <laughs> it, where I'm like, I have to get this record. You know, in the 90s, I was constantly, you know, going to record stores and I was like, what the hell is that? I got to pick that up. Like, you know, the you know, failure and there was just so many different things and all of it, like, not all of it, but there was a lot of it that was just so good. And there isn't any, there isn't anything now where I'm like, I have to go, I have to drop whatever I'm doing right now, and I have to go get this one. It seems and I have about CDs. <laughs> <laughs> are you, are you, are you a vinyl guy? Or are you a CD? Do you download? What's, what's your preferred? Uh, all of it, all of it. You know, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, even though I'm old, I still, you know, I'm on the computer all the time. My iPhone, so now I, I'll, you know, I get a lot of stuff on iTunes. Okay. Do you miss, but, uh, you know, when, when we first started talking, you, you were talking about sitting in your bedroom, listening to Led Zeppelin with your, with your headphones on. Uh, right. I would imagine you're probably standing there, you're sitting there staring at the cover of Houses of the Holy or Led Zeppelin 4 or whatever the case is, where you can kind of get the, the music allows you to kind of focus on the artwork and get lost in it, that sort of thing. Before I was 16 years old, I had been through four copies of Led Zeppelin 4. That's amazing. <laughs> Do you do you th- do, do you think that's do you think that's missing from you know the the music experience today? Or do you, do you think young people are yes. are too, too absolutely now? It's just music. It's just a it's just a commodity. It's disposable now, right? You know, like uh, you know, people be into bands and stuff, but they're only into like you know. Uh, it's gone back to I guess kind of like single format. 
Okay. Where it's, you know, you just go and you get the one song and then you just throw it in your phone and that's it. Right. You know, it's just, you know, it's like having, you know, you know, extra cans of soda in your refrigerator. <laughs> okay. Has it has it changed the dynamic between the artist and, and the audience now? Do you... You know the the audiences that you you play in front of now, or you see other bands playing in front of. Do you think they're those fans are? It's it might be less people, but it's more concentrated. It's the really passionate people, or do you have? I don't, I, that, that's hard to say because I I don't know I don't know if it has the same passion that it did. You know, like you know, rock and roll completely changed my life. You know, for better or worse, it was. You know, I knew exactly what I wanted to do from the time I was, like, 15 years old. And, you know, when I was home, everything, you know, my whole life pretty much revolved around music. Even as a kid. You know, listening to records, you know, going to buy records, going to concerts, you know, like, just being completely consumed by the whole thing. I don't know if it's like that now. I mean, people go to concerts, they're not even caught up in the moment. They're not even really focusing on, like, you know, while you're there. They're too busy with their phones up in the air, filming the thing, and then posting it on Facebook or Instagram, saying, hey, look at me, look at where I am. And you completely missed the moment. You documented it, but you really weren't there. And I think it's just the same thing happens now with songs. It's like, oh, that song's cool, let me download it, and that's it. it, You know, it gets thrown in the, you know, thrown on your hard drive, along with all the other stuff, and you didn't really... You didn't give it the opportunity to really, like, you know, capture you. And now it's like, you know, it's, you know, bands trying to make it out on their own. They have to, you know, go with the loudest packages and stuff because they have that one that one song that got a bunch of downloads. And so we'll put them, like, you know, whatever, second on the bill. And nobody really is aware of everything else until that song comes up and, you know, that three and a half minutes is done, and then they're back to, you know, whatever, you know, showing the world how important they are. You know, when you... I know, I know for me, like, you know, like my, you know, my upbringing, you know, my relationship with music was like, you know, you heard a song, you went, you bought the record, and you, you, you got completely consumed by it. You know, you sat in a room in the dark with the headphones on, and you listened to everything, and then there was just like, you know, you would read every line and note on the record. You would, you know, you would dissect every little piece of artwork and stuff. And then a lot of people can't even be bothered with, with the artwork or, like, you know, the jewel case or, <laughs> you know, the album cover. You know, they don't care about that. Right. You know, and then you would try, like, the information was not available like it was now. Like, you know, we had Kerrang! <laughs> and, and well, Circus Magazine. You know, hit Parader. And they would come out what, once a month, once every two months. And that's how you found out, like, that's how you found out a heavy metal band was on tour because you weren't going to find it on the radio. You weren't getting tour dates on the radio and stuff. So you had to be more resourceful. You had, you had to be, you had to put more effort into being a metal fan. Right. <laughs> than you do now. You, know, you really had to go out and you had to seek it out. You had to put the footwork in it. But every time I went to a show, the place was packed. You know, when I was a, when I was a teenager, I was like one of like three kids that liked Iron Maiden in my neighborhood. 
<laughs> and then you go to the concert, and then you meet thousands of them. But you never heard about Maiden being on the radio, or you know, you didn't hear anything about them. Right. You know, I don't know if it's just me, like whatever, being nostalgic about it, or if it's just, or if I'm pretty accurate about the, you know, my reflection of the times currently. Well, I think the landscape has changed for sure. Yeah, file sharing or downloading or theft, whatever you want to call it, has completely changed the the playing field. It, it's it's leveled everything. You know, it's it's laid the entire music industry to waste. It's it's kind of it. The word it minimized music so much that it's not special anymore. That's what I think it did. Like you know, whatever. Like like Metallica, they weren't like you know when they were when there was just like you know their demos being traded around. Sure. It wasn't like you know they they couldn't do anything because of you know it wasn't a money issue. You know, it wasn't like you know, it wasn't something about a you know file sharing. You know, there's stuff being stolen, or but the people that did get it were absolutely consumed by it, right? Completely blown over, and then they had to have everything that was associated with Metallica, right? Which at the time was a couple of songs. <laughs> that, <laughs> that was the, it. you know, I I have a copy of No Life Till Leather that that original EP that they 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 put out, and right. I, I got mine as a cassette dub from a friend of a friend of a friend when I was right. when I was yeah. 14 years old and you know this the sound quality is crap it sounds horrible there's a lot of tape hiss on it I mean it just sounds awful but I remember going this is amazing Mhm And that doesn't happen now Hmm There isn't something when you hear it and you go, holy shit, that's amazing, and it just stops your life right right there on the spot. Right. It just stops you from doing whatever it is you were doing, and you just get completely consumed by it. There isn't anything like that now. You can't give me one band that does that to people now. For me, it's still Iron Maiden and Danzig. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's, you know, which, which is fine. But that tells you the kind of state that music is in currently. Right. It de- yeah. It puts it puts us it puts a <laughs> short shelf indicator. life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I you know I I don't know though. Even though I, even though I'm not into it, I want the bands like you know like I want I want to see bands like you know whatever. Uh, for instance, who do I see on here? But bring me the horizon. Okay. I want to see bands like that. Like you know, take it and bring it to the you know. You know, put it rock and roll on the pedestal that it should be on. I want to see people get completely crazy about a band again, where they're like, you know, with them from start to finish. Right. And now it's become just such a commodity that the music isn't isn't a priority anymore. Right. Yeah. You know, and that's 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 the whole industry because they they can't afford to sustain it. You know, record companies don't have the money to, like, you know, to, to, to put, to invest into an act to make them, to bring them to that kind of greatness. Right. Sure. You know, there were a lot of bands like that. A lot of the bands that we were into when we were younger, they, a lot of them were our major labels. And maybe they weren't getting a lot of money, but they were getting something and they were still, labels were sticking with them 
and letting them develop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at Judas Priest. Look at how many records they put out before they actually broke, you know, huge. You know, the, what, uh, Sad Wings of Destiny came out in, what, 1973? I think it's 74. Sad Wings of Destiny, Staying right. Class. But I think British Steel would be the album, and you had uh, Killing... Uh, British Steel was 19, 1980. Yeah, Killing Machine, uh, Hellbent for Leather before that, and then uh, Rising in the East, and... Yeah. Oh, man, I think right. there's... And then they completely blew up on Screams of Vengeance. Yep. That was in 1982. Yep. So you're yep. talking like a years, a hell of a catalog. Sure. Who's What record company is going to stick with a band for that many years, and that, that many records? Until they get a hit, a, a bonafide, like, you know, until they blow up and become, you know, kings of metal. Right. <laughs> I, th- I, think, I think of Kiss in that regard. Um, Neil Bogart, you know, being, you know, the, the Casablanca label, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. the self-titled Dress to Kill or dress, the self-titled Hotter Than Hell Dress to Kill sold like crap, you know, those first couple well, of years. It, 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 Casablanca was going broke. Yeah, yeah. And then they did the, the the live record, which doing a live record was like your 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 death march. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. When you when the record company calls for a live record, you know it's over. Right. <laughs> That's it. That's the end. And luckily for Kiss and Casablanca, Kiss live hit. If it if it didn't hit, they were all finished. All yeah. that was out of work. <laughs> Kiss was was dropped. You know, that that was the end of the line. That was like, you know, that that was, they were grasping at straws. And thankfully, you know, for, I'm thankful, you know, that that's what got me on my start, you know, Kiss a Life hit. But, you know, like now, you, there there isn't anything there. And that's, it, it's unfortunate. It is. I, I'm of I'm of the opinion that I, I do think that there are the fans are still there for sure, and I do think that the rabid fans are still there. I I do think that the perception is skewed that there are fewer really passionate fans just because of the sheer amount of casual fans. You know, the kind of charlatans that come in and walk right back out. Um, the the doesn't allow to have a long shelf life. Um, just because it's like a hundred to one in that regard, I think they're still there. Yeah, I, I, I just don't. I don't see the uh, the level of uh, enthusiasm, right? With the new with the new bands as as there was, you know. I guess back in the day. Sure, sure, I get it. I, I still think that, like you know, like the main the main attractions are still. You know, the headliners are still the bands from, you know, 34 years ago. Right. And, like, you know, I mean, for instance, you know, what made the most headlines a couple of weeks ago? The Paul Stanley. and Axel friends again. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> right. That's, I, what it, that's what everybody's waiting for now. Right. I, I was going to say the Paul Snyder or Paul Stanley D. Snyder argument. <laughs> oh, yeah, even that, too. Yeah. Right. You know, that, that's been, it's another great example. But it's also, like, you know, one of the things that kind of supports my argument, where it's like, you know, like a, a lot of new bands are putting out records, and they're, they're talking about a lot of, a lot of, uh, I've seen a lot of talk about how, like, you know, a lot of uh, hard rock and metal acts have charted in the last couple of weeks. Right. Like this week, for instance, is what, what, 
Bring Me the Horizon was number one, Slayer was number two. It was like you had a bunch of like, you know, rock and metal bands like in the top 20 or something like that. But if Slash issues a headline right now, <laughs> he gives them an update about, you know, him and Axel had lunch today. <laughs> <laughs> nobody's even going to, nobody can get two shits about how many bands are on Billboard right now. Right, sure. <laughs> Have you, have you, when, when we think, it's funny to think about, you know, like uh, two, you know, two guys from a band like getting together and just like we had a drink, you know what I mean? That's a huge deal. Um, yeah. Have you ever had it? Have you ever had that moment where like a rock god of yours became demystified? Like for me, it's Ozzy Osbourne doing the Osbourne show. Ozzy Osbourne went from you know, like the, you know, Satan's, you know, <laughs> rock and roll helper to like, just that kinda... was, that was, that was one of them for me for sure. You know, you... Cause like when I was a kid, you know, that was the, I had the post, I had Ozzy post all over my room. You know, that was my, he was my, like, you know, leading the charge of my rebellion. <laughs> you know, when I, when I, when I was trying, when I, you know, when I was a teenager and I was, you know, rebellious and stuff like that, he was the guy. Right. And then it was, you know, they, he just got humanized. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that, it's not, not, it wasn't as bad as, like, you know, finding out about Santa Claus. <laughs> but, but it was close. It was a close second. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> but it is like you know it's a, that that's part of i think that's that's a, a component that's missing right you know rock and roll is not rebellious anymore it doesn't have an edge there's nobody out there just saying fuck you <laughs> you know right it's not there you know social media has taken all the mystique out of out of, you know, our rock stars. You know, the only guy that's still kind of like, you know, hanging on is, is Axl Rose. He's got an air of, he's, my, he's, he's definitely got an air of mystery to him. Yeah. And you don't have that anymore. Yeah. You can, you can basically, you know, every, uh, you know, every band out there now pretty much is, is accessible. Right. And you're seeing every, you know, they're so active on social media. You see what they're doing all day long. Right. It's hard to get away from it. So is that, is that uniformly a bad thing? You know, let's, I mean, let's take this interview. For, I think so. You know, I, I was, I, you know, I was able to send you a message and go, Hey Johnny, do you want to talk to us? You know, is that a good or a bad thing? It's, it's a double-edged sword. Okay. You know, cause it's, you know, I, I, the typo there was always a, uh, an, an air of accessibility to us, right? Of you know, I think Peter. You know, Peter definitely was a rock star. Peter, uh, people definitely took an interest in him because he was such a unique guy. And uh, there, but there definitely was uh, the band was always accessible. But you're not going to if Peter was was still alive, he certainly wouldn't have uh, an Instagram page. Uh, you know, it really out of, out of the four of us, Josh and I were the ones that would interact on social media, you know, to, to you know, yeah, we would interact on social media. The other two, Kenny has no use for it. 
And uh, yeah, Peter just absolutely detested the internet. Every time he would go online, he would freak out. <laughs> <laughs> he, he would lose his mind. So, but I think that's also, that was, I think, one of the things that kept, like, a mystery. I, I definitely think that played a part in it because he wasn't that accessible. I mean, if you saw him in the street, he would be the nicest guy and he would hang out with you all day. But you couldn't just get on your computer and send him a message and you go, hey, remember me? <laughs> or, you know, or anything. Like, you know, hey, I love your music or whatever. You, you couldn't reach Peter. And I think the guys, the, the, the people that are really, you know, that, that are, you know, that iconic rock star category, they still have that. You know, you're still trying to figure them out. You, you, you still... You'll listen to the songs and you'll be like, what was really going through his head at times? Like, you know, what kind of person, you know, like songs like this or, you know, what makes them tick? And you don't have that now. Except for a lot of the old guard still maintain that, I guess, autonomy, the right word? Sure. That, yeah, I think that yeah. fits. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to get Keith Richards on Instagram. <laughs> you're not going to do it. Robert Plant is not going over Facebook and, you know, interacting with, you know, his fan base and, you know, sharing that he had, you know, corned beef for lunch today. <laughs> It'd be interesting if he was, for sure. I was thinking, to me, right. Iggy Pop, Iggy Pop has, has remained at that level. You know, that, right. that kind of untouchable sort of thing. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. But that's also part of that old guard. Yeah, that's good point. Yep, absolutely good point. You're not going to get David Bowie on Snapchat. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny to think of it, you know what I mean? It's... It, it's what would David Bowie Snapchat you though? You know what I mean. If, if, when you imagine, like, what the hell is David Bowie going to take a picture of and send you? I, right. You know, like Bowie is—he's not sending there on Instagram. And like, you know, they don't. See, they they made their—you know—they made their mark. They made—you know—they they maintained an element of uh, of mystique, and it makes people continue to be hungry for what what they're about. You know, even even like you know people that are like you know uh, technically savvy. Look at look at how much money YouTube YouTube made on Facebook. <laughs> like Bono's out there, it's trying to save the world, but he's not posting on you know on his Facebook page every day. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. he probably doesn't even have one. You know, he got, but they're aware of it, and they were able to. You know, they were on the cutting edge of it. You know, look at a guy like Trent Reznor. You know. He's definitely not afraid of technology and uh, definitely uses it, you know, to, you know, as a medium to his advantage, but he's not, he's not that accessible. I guess it's a fine line. You just got to watch, you got to watch how far you go with it. You know, I do. If, if Glenn Danzig had a Snapchat, I'd be all over that, you know, but I couldn't have a Facebook page. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. How awkward would it be? You know, so And that's how, like, you know, those guys, that's how that those those kinds of people maintain that. And it, there isn't anyone stepping up to take over. Right. <laughs> Going back to that. And I think that's why part of it, you know, part of, you know, like, 
those elements are disappearing. You know, a lot of a bunch of you know a number of bands that are you know starting to get popular and stuff. Their whole thing is based around their social media interaction, and without that, they would be nothing. So that's the other side of it. It's a changed world. That's that's all it comes down to. It is. Yeah, it's different. It is, and it's you know the jury's still out on whether it's better or not. Right. I don't think it is. I don't think it is. Yeah, it's hard to say. I'm all statistics seem to be supporting that. Yeah. The weirdest moment for me, well, I'm I'm such a big Kiss fan. The weirdest moment for me is when I was a teenager and I bought all of the bootlegs, whether it was you know concert videos, VHS, vinyl, or whatever the case uh-huh. is. Right. I bought all those when I was young. I put a lot of money into that, and now I can just go onto YouTube and watch every single one, and. Mm-hmm. It kind of makes me, it bothered me the first couple of years. It was like, I paid $20 for that concert, you know, when, right. I, when I was yeah. 15 years old. It kind of bums me out. But at the same time, it's cool that I can go, if I want to see TSOL play from like 1981, I can just go look it up and it's there. But, yeah. I don't know. I was really surprised that um, uh, after Peter passed away, how much stuff popped up on Type L. Hmm. A, a lot of things, like uh, things that I didn't, I had no idea. I, I was like, you know, I was dabbling a little bit. I have like, you know, a bunch of different type of like stuff, you know, various, you know, whatever, DVDs, DHS, uh, CDs. And I was surprised at how much stuff topped up after he passed away. Right. Stuff I had no idea existed. Still don't even remember. <laughs> it's just like, it's like, he played there? <laughs> no recollection of it at all. Right. And, uh, you know, like, uh, stuff like that, it's, it's, it, that also is a double-edged sword, because, um, like, if you have a bad show, whatever it is, you know, the slightest thing, you know, it's out there for the world to see. Yeah. And, you know, of course you don't want, you don't, it's not how you want your, your band to be, you know, it's not an accurate representation of, of your band. Right. It's not how you want the band to be seen right. or heard. And, uh, you know, at the same time, like, you know, whatever, you know, you're a fan and you want to try to get everything you can, like, I don't mind bootlegs being traded. You know, I never really had an issue with that. That would make me a total hypocrite because I had so many bootlegs of other bands. Right. <laughs> I would, well, well, it's okay for them to have bootlegs, but I don't want my band to have but it isn't like you know that isn't how you want your band to be represented. That's what your albums are for. Like you know when you do something official, like you know if you put out a live DVD and you know whatever, you, know, you release a live show. And uh, you know, but at the same time, you know the hardcore fans are going to do whatever they can, you know, to get it because they're just, they're fans and that's that's what they do. They they want they want everything they can get their hands on about their favorite band. But, uh, you know, it's like, I, I always kind of, would, you know, like if I saw stuff, like I saw type of bootlegs being sold and stuff like that, I'd get a little pissed off. Because that's just somebody capitalizing on, you know, taking advantage of fans. You know, they didn't pay for the record. Why should you sell it? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> you know, 
it's 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 just like the exchange of money and all of it always left to be the case and all that. And some bands were always cool about it. Like, you know, you go see the Black Crows, and they would be just as many cameras and microphones as they were people. You know, they they, they were all, you know, they were, told, they were fine with people, like, you know, bootlegging their shows. And I guess that maybe that's a way of, of, uh, <clears throat> of beating that, that system. Right. Kind of beat them at their own yeah, game, beat, right? Right, exactly. Beat them at their own game. If you want to, you want to record the show, you're welcome to come in with the camera. You know, some bands don't like that. You know, I can't say that I would be a fan of it, but I can understand it and respect the decision. Right. Is there anything as as a fan? Is there any show that like, man, I wish I had a copy of that? Like, you know, Hendrix '69 at Woodstock, or like the Who Live at Leeds. You know, is is there any concert I really wish I had that? You know, a piece of that. Uh, man, is this? Geez, there were a lot of shows that I went to that I would have loved to have had a copy of it. Uh, I'm probably like you know more than half of them. <laughs> I say, wow, that was great. You know, I wish I had a copy of it. Right. But I don't know. Like you know, maybe having it may change my memory of it. Also, it may you know compromise it in a way. Right, sure. Yeah, like, you know, going back and listening to it, and you'd be like, oh, but that, that song really didn't come out that well. It's like, you know, he, he screwed up that solo, and, he, you know, he missed that note on the, you know, on the drums, and, you know, and then it's fun to analyze. I would wind up starting to analyze it and enjoying it. <laughs> I would try to find myself doing that more. Right. And, instead of just coming home with the memory of, like, wow, I remember being there, and it was a great show. You know, I would I would have loved to have Metallica opening up for Ozzy at the National Coliseum when to go see them in '86. Then, I'd love to have you know Motley Crue at the Beacon Theater when we, you know, when I saw them play, you know, the, their first headlining tour after you know when Shadow of the Devil came out. But you know, I have the memories of like you know coming back from the show and that was amazing, and it left a you know left a lifelong impression. On. It always changes, you know. I think. Uh... The magnifying glass of, uh, it's kind of like when you play telephone, the game, everything changes from person to person and everything changes year to year. I saw, I saw Kiss play acoustically in 1995 and in my head, it's the most amazing thing I've, you know, ever, ever. But when I watch the video on YouTube, it's really boring. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You lose something from it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like I saw, I saw Kiss. The first show I ever went to was Kiss the Garden in 1979. On Dynasty? Yeah. Nice. Okay. Wow. And and so I remember, you know, I remember going to the show, and, I, you know, I remember being a kid, being excited, and all that stuff, and it was, you know, a, a, a life-changing experience for me. And if I had a copy of it, I have a copy of them playing at the Cap Center on the same tour, and, you know, like, I, I have these, these great memories of it. Right. And if I had something that was tangible from that event, I don't know if I'd you know, feel the same way about it. Right, yeah. I don't know if I would have that same uh, sentiment. Man, it's interesting. It's interesting to talk to a genuine music fan that's, you know, a couple generations ahead of me. And right. there's still a lot of similarities, you know, between how I see things and how I experience music and stuff like that. So. I think yeah. it's it's exciting. I think like you know, like that that kind of stuff. It doesn't matter. I don't know if it's the generation gaps or anything that that play a role in it. I think you know, like once you when you when you're that emotionally attached to something, it doesn't it doesn't put a number on it. 
you know, like whatever it is, you know, whether you, you know, if you're into baseball or, you know, politics or who knows, <laughs> you know, like if something catches you and it grabs you and you have an emotional attachment to it, right? you know, that, that's still, that stays, that stays with you. Primarily, you know, it's why I still play. I'm still, I'm still emotionally attached to it. I'm still, you know, I still love doing it. You know, it's not just a matter of, you know, it's not, uh, I'm not in it for, you know, any other reason. You know, but it's still something that I'm genuinely passionate about. You know, otherwise, I would have done something, you know, that would have been a little bit more, <laughs> a little more stable, you know, probably made a little more money, you know, especially in my later years. I'm still driven by the same thing. The same thing that I was when I was 15. No one will, eyes are cold, our thoughts are old. 15 minutes till we lose control. So we go out in the world again. Disappointment is our closest. Hello, Music the Lifeblood listeners. Do you want to help the show? Head over to Patreon.com to donate to Music the Lifeblood so you can keep Music the Lifeblood rocking and receive some badass perks. That's www.patreon.com backslash Music the Lifeblood. And as always, you can find Music the Lifeblood on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram to see all the posts from the guys, including Dustin's Vinyl Thursday videos. Don't forget, Metal Chris and Dustin love seeing your ratings and reviews on iTunes. Music the Lifeblood, something old, something new. What are you listening to? Hey!